Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Shift with CJ podcast. Now, we're all lucky in this modern day and modern lifestyle because we can have a few clicks on our phones and get our meals delivered right at our doorstep, our offices. But do you know what? I mean, this wasn't always the case. From the beginning of time when humans had this whole evolution thing going on, one of the constant factors was the shortage of food. Now, this could be because of so many reasons. It could be geographical limitations, could be climatical changes. We all have seen the movie Ice Age, right? And we know about famine and things like that. So there's been so many things and our body has coped up with all of these uh, factors using survival mechanisms and if you know a little bit about health you know that all of these information have been passed on from generations to generations so what am i getting at here i'm getting at something very important which is fasting which is not just a new fad diet or a new term in science but it has its origins coming from very ancient texts of hinduism islam buddhism christianity and every major religion has seen some sort of fasting as their daily practice. So to, conf to solve this confusion on fasting and how fasting can be done right, I have someone really special on the show. My guest on the show today helps change lives of women through this concept called intermittent fasting, in which she utilizes the time and the science combined together with her knowledge of nutrition, and she helps her client do what they like the most. That means getting more energy, losing weight, and feeling strong. Lori Lewis, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's so good to be with you from around the world. Nice to meet you. Let's have a wonderful conversation about not eating and then eating. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So yes, we are. This is correct. We are in completely different time zones. We're 12 hours apart from each other. And I yeah. really appreciate you jumping onto the podcast. I know it's super early over there. And glad you made it. So now tell me, Laurie, everyone has a backstory. So what's your backstory? How did you get into this whole not eating thing? It's all not eating thing. Well, thank you so much for asking. I am someone, let's see, I lived in New York most of my adult life. Now I'm on the West Coast of the U.S. in Portland, Oregon. But New York is really fast paced. And it was important to me to keep up and um, do great work. And I had a fast paced life. And in addition to my work and my fun of life, I developed an interest and a passion in for nutrition. And I remember in my late 20s, waking up one day and thinking, I think this Diet Coke isn't good for me. There was something I was like, I think it's not good for me. And that was the beginning of learning to fuel my body well. <coughs> Pardon me. And... Um, 
So for 30 years, I've studied nutrition as a fun thing on the side, as a hobby, if you will. And when I was in my 40s, I started experiencing the signs of perimenopause, a big hormonal flip that all women experience at, at usually starting in the mid 40s. And it can be different, but that's typical. And um Suddenly, when I went into menopause, and the whole perimenopause was a huge struggle, um, but suddenly when I went into menopause, I gained 50 pounds. Like my heart, estrogen, progesterone, cortisol, insulin were all out of whack. I gained 50 pounds, and everyone in my life, myself included, were like, How could this happen to you? You're the healthiest person we know. And I'm like, I know. And I tried everything. And it wasn't just the weight that came on, it was brain fog and memory loss and equilibrium was off. And I just had, if, if you look at a list of all the things a woman can get in menopause, I ticked all the boxes. And so it's frustrating to me when I hear health professionals and doctors say, you know, someone who experiences the bad signs of um, menopause are people who haven't been taking care of themselves. Because in my case, that was not true at all. I just suffered all the terrible side effects. And I was a person who was a runner and doing yoga and eating nutritious foods. And the one thing that I didn't do well was sleep. So sleep is super important. But after four and a half years of struggling and suffering and trying everything one night, I felt like I'd Googled everything already. But one night I stumbled across these words, intermittent fasting, and I was familiar with long term therapeutic fasting. But I didn't know that a person could live their life by eating in an eating window and having a pause from food and eating later and having another pause from food and eating later. And what's so amazing is that within three days, I felt better. So I know people care about longevity, like we think, oh, I want to live longer and be a biohacker. And But what I think people really care about right now is feeling better today, like having good energy and feeling stronger and being bright and sharp and sleeping well and having your skin look good. And, and within three days, I felt better. And I was able to lose the 50 pounds in 15 months, which is a nice, slow, methodical fat burning. Mm -hmm. But um, to feel so well so quickly, I think is the big surprise, the big surprise about intermittent fasting. And the other surprise is there's not just one right way to do it. People think there must be the perfect right schedule and there isn't. So it's really fun to help people figure out for themselves what is their unique and individual pattern that makes you feel well. So. Mm -hmm. That's great. Thank you for sharing your story. And two things really popped out. One thing is that, yes, you're correct. Most of the people these days are struggling with that one thing, energy and feeling good. And according to me, if you could just fix one part in your body, which is energy, like if you can get your cells to produce more energy, that can overlap in every aspect of your life. Like you mentioned, skin health, anti-aging, hair health, everything is connected to how these tiny uh, tiny cellular generators, mitochondria in your cells can create more energy. And the thing is, when you have more energy, you're a nicer person, you've got better mood, you get, you're more resilient, you can go through a lot. And 
surprisingly, you, if your mitochondria are optimized, then you can even fast better. That's and the right. other thing, and the other thing that you mentioned, which I wanted to bring, and it's highly important that we talk about it, is perimenopause and menopause. Because now, when we look at data from a couple of years ago, we see that almost all women would officially talk about their health issues around the menopause time. But recent data has shown that some of those years have been cut and now women are even having issues with premenopause, perimenopause. So I'd like to get to know from you that what are some of these issues that we're talking about? Like, and this would be good for all the men to know as well, like what exactly ha biologically happens in the <laughs> women's body and what really changes Oh, I'm so happy you asked. I don't understand why menopause is a big secret. Like we're not allowed to say it. We we they don't send us to biology class for older women and we we say it in hush terms like God, gosh, no man can ever hear us say the word menopause. <laughs> And it's so nice to be able to have it out in the open. It's a time in a woman's life where we are shifting hormonally in a pretty dramatic way. And I've experienced in my own life and the thousands of people I've coached and the many women in my life that it's, it's as if all of the stress and challenges we've ever felt that we're stuffing down and getting through life, they're really compounded and get magnified for most women in our mid to late 40s, sometimes early 50s. Um, the average age for a woman to be in menopause or postmenopausal is 52, between 51 and 52. So I was a little early. Um, I went into menopause at 49, but the symptoms really can start. 10 years early. And um, so this is why I'll, you'll hear about a lot of women getting adrenal fatigue or different autoimmune challenges. And, and that all of a sudden in our late forties, we have cholesterol issues and type two diabetes and the metabolic syndrome, like things really that have been pushed down and the amount of stress our body's been able to take our whole lives can't take it anymore because we are, we need to gear up for this big hormonal shift, this big hormonal slowdown. And this is why women can be moody and grumpy and depressed and achy. And the thing that I hear women say the most is I'm not myself anymore. Now you could ask, what does that mean? What do you mean you're not yourself anymore? And every woman who feels it knows what she means. And it's, it's impossible to put words to it, but to not feel like yourself anymore is really awful. And then have this time of our lives kind of be the butt of a joke or have it be secret. And we're not allowed to talk about it when you just want to scream and say, what's going on with me? <laughs> and then sadly, I don't, I'm not saying all doctors, but mostly our doctors just say, you know, toughen up, get through it. I have a client whose doctor said, Hey, you made it through breast cancer. Just get toughen up, make it through menopause. And, um, they treat it like a condition that we're just supposed to suffer through. And so I really love that I was able to discover for myself that pausing from eating 
-hmm. as you opened this segment with by talking about the evolutionary aspects of being human that we didn't have food most of the time. We didn't, we couldn't order in. We didn't have a fridge. We didn't have a cupboard full of everything imaginable. We didn't eat in our car. We didn't eat in our computer. It's just like we're constantly eating. And so this idea also that women's hormones are so fragile, where these delicate flowers and, and you know, we, we have to be really careful with ourselves. I don't think is true at all. I think that women and men throughout all time dealt with not having food and putting our bodies into a state of rest and repair every day when we're not eating. And then the discovery, like I used the word surprise earlier, the big surprise and the discovery is how quickly we feel when, how quickly we feel very, very well when we're in a fasted state, when we're not eating. So I, I just want women to know, and the men who love them and work with them, <laughs> that um, this is a time in our lives that's really, if you think of it, if we have a hundred years to live, God willing, that um, half of it are spent in pre-menopause and the other half is spent in this new phase of life. It's like we walk into a different room and it really is the time to take the very best care of ourselves and to be very kind and gentle and gracious and nurturing and nourishing of our bodies. And surprisingly, fasting is part of that. So whether somebody cares a lot about their meditation or their work performance or their food choices or their fitness performance, whatever you care about or your relationships, you said fasting can make you a nicer person. It's true. So whatever you care about in your life, fasting clean, pausing from eating and eating later in an eating window makes every aspect of life better. And that's very surprising for people. Yeah, it's funny when I first started talking about fasting a couple of years ago, and I would go on these, I was still discovering fasting for myself. So I was trying all different sorts of fasting to see what works for me. And most of the time when I was around my friends, I wouldn't eat. And these were some long days because I used to work in events before and we would be in multiple events, we had a limited window to eat. And I was like, No, guys, I'm just gonna skip because I'm just fasting. And everyone looked at me like, you're what? And I'm like, I'm fasting. It's like, that doesn't work. Just come eat with us. And, I'm, and I can just see how every three months or six months, how much more information has been put out because of people like yourself and you're going around talking to the world about it, bringing all this information. And I would really thank you for bringing all this in. And it's surprising the amount of people that know about fasting right now, yet they aren't really clear because they've heard it from someone. Then they have looked at probably a website which doesn't even have any scientific data on fasting and just like someone's blog. So uh, yeah, it's very important that we talk to people about fasting. But while we were in this conversation of postmenopause, have you found any other hacks or any other things that you can introduce apart from fasting that could make this transition a bit better? Definitely. So I think that my approach with fasting can be a little different than others. And I'll explain what I like to do. I take fasting first, fasting first, fasting as the foundation. And we can talk about exactly how. So I want everybody who's listening to, you know, when, when we say goodbye to each other, everybody out there in listening, listening land knows what to do and how to start. So that's important to me. But the reason I say start with fasting first, fasting as the foundation, is 
because I want people to focus on one thing at a time and to get into your fasting sweet spot, your groove. Maybe you fast for 12 hours, you're asleep for seven or eight. Maybe you fast for 12 hours and eat in a 12 hour eating window. Maybe you fast for 22 hours and eat in a two hour eating window. So whatever your goals are, your, your schedule, you, you know, how you feel, how you feel is everything. But I want everybody to get in their fasting groove first and then what happens is the appetite center, the apostat in our brain that manages our hunger and satiety hormones and other things starts to balance and heal. And because of the clarity and discernment and quiet that we experience when we're fasting, we can hear the communication that our body gives us around how much food it needs today and the food it wants today. And it gets pretty clear that I want spinach and eggs, or I want steak and a potato, or I, you know, it gets very, very clear. And it really doesn't demand uh, sugar and ultra processed food so much anymore, if we're really listening. So that aspect of fasting first and fasting as the foundation makes our food choices easier. So then to answer your question, the next most important thing, I think, is to take ultra-processed food off the plate, off mm -hmm. as an option. And that's mostly what people eat today from convenience. And it's cheap. It lasts a long time on the shelf. We like the packaging. We like that we can transport it. And um, that is the food that human beings have become most familiar with in the last 50 years are packaged foods, foods with a label, foods that we, <laughs> that have a name. And so if we can gradually allow the body to heal with fasting and allow the body to let us know the foods that it needs, because it does know the nutrients it wants, we just have to be quiet enough to hear it. And if we're deliberately and purposefully taking foods out, that are ultra processed foods and putting foods in that are simple foods, salad, potato, meat, fish, you know, you, everybody knows, right? <laughs> and then there isn't, um, there isn't one right way to eat for all people. You know, I could even say, you know, I'm a vegetarian and I eat very differently than other vegetarians. And I have clients who are carnivore and, and keto and, you know, so the, the real gamut, but even if you eat in a particular way and follow a particular diet, there are foods on those lists that, that don't sit well with your body, your gut, you know, so the next thing is to really pay very close attention to how different foods make us feel. And people aren't tuned into that at all. And so when you're an intermittent faster and you eat, you fast clean and then eat in an eating window, we start to notice pretty clearly which foods make us puffy and achy and mess with our sleep and make us ravenously hungry an hour later and make us cranky and moody. And that's the, those are the foods that I encourage people to add to a list of these foods make me feel poorly and I'm not going to eat them anymore. <laughs> you know how many people eat foods that make them feel terrible because they just want it? So it, the, the uh, message that I love imparting is that fasting really helps us tune in. And I think fasting should be first and then taking ultra processed food out second. And then my third tip would be sleep, 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 sleep. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for sharing yeah. all of that. And I think it's very important for people to listen from an expert like you, because you're right. 
convenience food has taken all over and most of the times all these foods are hyper palatable even if they've been sanctioned off at keto vegan whatever but the way that these foods have been designed especially the most commercial ones they have a huge team of food scientists that are working on them and they're just building such chemicals a your body don't doesn't know what they are because with time we have never you know realized these gums and all these additives and these preservatives so your body really doesn't know what to do with them some of the people i see can get autoimmune issues some of the people can get some other issues but the fact remains the same most of the times our body doesn't understand what these things are and most of the times when you give your body something that it could recognize whether you eat i mean keto exactly like a whole foods diet keto carnivore vegan you eat something like a traditional diet or it really helps a lot so we've been talking about fasting and now someone who's new to this show might be wondering okay guys tell me more about fasting so fasting has a multitude of benefits right and if you guys have been following the conversation, Laurie and me, we've mentioned a few of them. But most of the times when I speak to people, the same set of, um, let's say, benefits keep coming out. So have you discovered, Laurie, any new ones that you've been hiding or any secrets? Top oh. secret ones? Also, <laughs> if and what happens is most of the times people don't talk about uh, benefits of fasting, especially when you're above the age of 50. So that group sort of gets ignored and everyone's talking about, yeah, we're just, our exercise performance went, our VO2 went up high. And, you know, not a lot of people are talking about, okay, so if you're above 50 and you're just looking to be healthy, what sort of impact can fasting have on you? Well, I love that you said that because, you know, there are groups in Silicon Valley of people in technology who are, you know, have a high pressure, very super fast paced, high performance. Um, and, and I think that those people aren't the norm. And so I want to speak to anybody out there who thinks you're like a regular person <laughs> who is struggling through the day. And I want people to feel better today. And so the way to feel better today <laughs> is to start eating in an eating window. And so some of the new surprise, I'll just look at my own clients and my own self. Okay. So I had a debilitating foot challenge called plantar fasciitis, which is a matter of inflammation actually. And, um, I had had it for 10 years and I certainly didn't start intermittent fasting to solve my foot challenge, foot pain, but about three to four months in to my daily fasting regimen, I suddenly realized it was gone and that's never come back after five years. And that's one of the most common results I hear is people's plantar fasciitis disappearing. It's so painful if you've never had it. Oh my goodness. Then I had a pretty big cyst on my spine, not the size of a golf ball, smaller than that but very noticeable. Like I would lie in Shavasana and yoga and it might, it really hurt. It really stuck out and that disappeared that cyst and it had been test. It wasn't, it wasn't cancerous. It was benign, but the whole thing that was painful disappeared. I have had countless clients move their A1C, their blood, normalize their blood sugar from type two diabetes on down. And, uh, to have a person who has had a diagnosis like that, that they are going to be dealing with type two diabetes for the rest of their lives, and then be able to reverse that within a few months of intermittent fasting is just 
makes me cry every time I, um, have another client who had, um, a heart challenge and had a CAT scan and, uh, was on medication and then had to go in for another checkup to see if it was getting worse. And in fact, it disappeared and, and the wow. CAT scan and the doctor was calling other doctors in to get, and, and she just said, well, I've been intermittent fasting for six months and it went away. So psoriasis and autoimmune and, you know, skin issues. One client was frustrated because her weight loss was so slow. And I never ask people for their pictures. I encourage people to take pictures because your body will really change. And it's nice to compare the pictures, but you don't have to show me. But she said, I'm not losing weight as quickly as I want. I'm going to send you my pictures. I look exactly the same. And I'm like, okay. So she's, texted me her pictures. And I said, Oh, my goodness, well, not only is your body getting smaller, and I pointed out that, she, you know, getting smoother and smaller. But I said, did you notice something on your back that's different? And she said, No, and all the moles on her back in one year of fasting had disappeared. Wow. Like, so if we're seeing changes on our skin, scars smoothing out, moles disappearing, bumps disappearing. I had a weird bump on my knee since I was 40. I was born in in the 60s. So I had this bump on my knee in the 70s, <laughs> so long ago. And um, it had been there my whole life. It just disappeared. So if we're seeing these changes on the outside of our body that we can see and witness these shifts, imagine what's happening to our brain, to our heart, to our liver, to our kidneys, to our gut, to, you know, just the quality of our blood and the our cholesterol. And it's, it's really exhilarating to have clients and people report back in such profound health changes, but it's also exhilarating to see them on your own body and your own experience. I, I'm 50, I'll turn 59 next month. And before I started intermittent fasting, I just had normal, normal aches and pains. My elbow hurt, my shoulders really hurt. My hips hurt if I was sitting for a while and I stood up, they were, you know, achy and I'd have to get the kinks out. And now I'm on no medication. I literally have no aches and pains at all. I had a long drive across the U.S. recently, sitting in the car by myself for 13 hours a day, which is a lot of sitting. And I would just get out of the car and pump the gas and get back in and have no discomfort. It's incredible living like that. So we can talk about biohacking, but I like to talk about how do you feel right now? That's what I care about. <laughs> no, I mean, whatever you said was really amazing because you really pointed out in a very practical scenario, like, you know, sharing your stories, sharing your client stories and what, how, uh, you know, certain symptoms that you guys have had got cleared. But again, like you said, if you can imagine, and for anyone who's listening, if you can imagine all of these things that have been going on the outside, then think about, like you mentioned a lot of things like what's happening to your gut. We know that fasting removes all these toxins and waste products. It also strengthens the mucosal lining, which is very important, especially when you're like aging. And this is why one of the things, I mean, for anyone who's listening, we're talking about people who are above 50, but that doesn't mean you would not have the same issues. I see a lot of people who are, you know, in their 30s and they have like similar issues. 
one of the other things that the world has been talking about right now, just like you mentioned, was like brain health. Brain health has been so important. Like in all of these studies, there are so many things going on with dementia. I was reading a study yes. today which said the dementia and Alzheimer's, the Alzheimer's rate, in fact, has been going to triple until 2050, is going to reach about 150 million. And that's mm. a lot of people and the odds of people getting or someone who's listening to this podcast having um, some kind of brain-related disorder in their circles or in their extended families is not that high. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a little bit high. Like, you can get it. So it's nice that we uh, you touched on these topics. Also, like brain health, we know that fasting increases this brain protein called brain-derived neurotropic factor, which also increases brain function it helps with memory with learning and up to like some studies have even shown that it could increase up to as far as i remember 400 percent. so yes. that's that's amazing you spoke about that cis going away and we know that some people who have had like you know some sort of i don't want to say cancer but like some sort of tumor growth then there is this process in our body whenever we're abstained from eating called autophagy which automatically starts you know let's say i i tell people i give them the analogy of a pac-man so you see how that pac-man is running behind all of these um these other similar shapes so think of that as like debris dead proteins worn out cells and when you start not eating it's like playing the game of pac-man it goes and eats everything on its way so it's a know. big cleanup that's yeah, right. It, I, I use the analogy of, you know, when your car is all dusty and dirty and it's got leaves and trash and it's you know, and you take it in to be detailed. So you've got this old junky car and you leave it there for a couple hours and pay them a few hundred dollars and they give you your car back and it's bright and shiny as new. It's as if it was right off the lot and had never been driven before. It's so sparkly and clean. That's what happens in autophagy. So it takes a lot of effort for the body to make new cells. And it's not very good at the deep cellular cleanup because we're eating all the time. So if we pause completely from taking in any nutrients, and that's why I talk about fasting clean, no flavors, no nutrients, nothing that's going to communicate to the body that food is incoming, which makes fasting easier, by the way. So plain water, plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee, plain unflavored black or green tea, bitter. And so if you're fasting clean and your body can have this rest to heal and upregulate autophagy, it's like those old junky cells, like your old junky car <laughs> is getting all the parts are taken out and recycled and shined up and put back in. And then that cell looks as good as new when you when a scientist looks at the refurbished cell next to a new cell through a microscope they can't tell the difference so this is why a person's moles would disappear and inflammation would go down and people look brighter and um you know inflammation and high circulating insulin are really the two issues that we are dealing with health-wise. So obesity, um, metabolic disorder, all of it boils down to not taking good care of our liver and our gut and our whole body being inflamed and high circulating insulin, which as I'm so happy you mentioned dementia and Alzheimer's because Alzheimer's is being referred to now as type 3 di 
diabetes. It's an issue of it's, I don't want to oversimplify it because it is very complicated, but I do think that if we employ an intermittent fasting schedule and take ultra processed food out of our, uh, as an option, it's not an option anymore and sleep earlier and sleep better and allow our body the time for deep sleep and REM sleep. I think those are the three things that a person can do now, not only to feel better now, but to feel better later and live longer. And I'm sure you've looked at the research in the blue zones, the five areas around the world where people typically live to be over a hundred and they live well to over a hundred, um, feeling well right up until the end. And those people eat very simply. They pause from eating. They move a lot. They have a lot of love around them in their lives and family and music and friends and it's living simply and fasting yeah. is such an important part of that exactly that was, i was going to say that fasting is one of the one of the big parameters fasting and i would also say some sort of a calorie restriction because most of these communities aren't eating as much in japan in one of the blue zones in japan they have a quote in japanese which says harahachipu and for those of you listening, uh, that means that don't eat until you're full or eat until 80%. So That's the right. Japanese would always like it. I mean, I am guilty of this most of the times. So I'm, you know, sometimes I fast a lot and then I want to eat a lot. But the Japanese, for instance, who have a very extended lifespan and health span, they would only eat until they're 80% full. So they're not going to let themselves be 100% full. So what that means is they're using 20% less calories. And if you see in any animal models or human models, one of the biggest things that can extend human lifespan is when you reduce your calories strategically, because a lot of people do it just in a crazy way and their hormones get messed up. So I want to say very That's strategically, right. when you can reduce your calorie from 15 to 20%, then that's in scientific studies has shown to increase lifespan. And we see it in all of these blue zone areas. But, you know, Laurie, what really, really pisses me off when I, <laughs> when I speak to some people and, you know, I'm speaking to some women and like there are some women coaches and like some uh, personal trainers. And I always tell them like fasting is okay. You could consider it to be an umbrella term, but it doesn't apply the same to both the genders. And most of the times, you know, the conversations that I'm, I'm in and people tell me, oh, it's just all the same, CJ. You don't have to go into the details. But I'm like, excuse me, how could it be same? Because a woman's body is designed for various things. Lactation, childbirth, their hormones change. We spoke about menopause and what happens in menopause. Women have physiologically, they're shorter than men. They have smaller lungs than men. They even have various distribution of body fat. And, you know, people say that we like don't uh, get into the details, but it's very important that we sort of like tell people we spoke about Alzheimer's before and we know for a fact that even for Alzheimer's is women get Alzheimer's two times more than men. And like you mentioned, one of the best protocols for um, sort of reversing that at an early age is fasting and fasting for and I see a lot of competitive women who are fasting for more than 24 hours on a regular basis and that's 
giving your body a different kind of stress that can, you know, reduce your fertility, lower all those things. So I would want you to like sort of tell us about what, how is fasting different for men and different for women? What are some of the things that women should look at specifically? Well, I agree with you that men and women are different for sure, hormonally. But what I want to do is to look at each individual person. Okay. So a woman who has 15% body fat, which is super low for women, and who's running an exercise or competitive athlete, and they're 29 years old is very different than a 54 year old woman who has 80 pounds to lose, whose hormones have completely shifted. And she's hungry all the time because um, I think that most people out there, you know, you were talking about calorie restriction. That's really hard for most people. And what makes calorie restriction easy is if you fast, get that bright energy from fasting, burn your own body fat, which gives you incredible energy, and then eat your calories. I don't ever talk about calories. I just talk about quantity of food and nutrients. Eat until satiety in your eating window, which probably will be less food. But regarding men and women, I'd rather talk about each individual. So each individual needs to look at their starting point. Where are they now? How much excess weight do you have? What are your health issues? What's your work lifestyle and family? And start to intermittent fast gradually. So all everybody has to do right now, you know, you and I included is to say, what time today am I going to stop eating? So for me, I'll say 7.30 PM. What time do you think? Oh, I don't know what time it is. I've got it. Uh, well, right now it's about 6 PM and I've okay. got my, um, sister's in-laws coming for dinner. So I think it's going to be a late one, but I would start, I would probably stop around 8-ish, 8.15. Normally I would stop eating around 6.30. As soon as the sun goes down, like I try my best not to eat after the sun goes down. Mm, I love that. Okay. So you can see that it's flexible. Normally you would close it at 6, 6.30. Today family's coming. So you're like, oh, 8.15. So let's say 8.30 for you. So everybody out there, after you close your eating window, you have plain water. Now this is up for debate because you can find whatever you want on the internet. But I subscribe to a clean fast, a purest fast, because I want fasting to be easier for myself. And I want to get into the complete healing. I want fat burning. I want weight loss. I want all the cognitive benefits. I want all the deep autophagy. I want my human growth hormone to go up. I want all the benefits. Mm -hmm. So I fast clean, which means plain unflavored water. Then go to bed, wake up tomorrow, plain unflavored water, a cup of black coffee, if you like coffee, and then 12 hours after you closed your eating window, so 7.30 for me, 8.30 for you, you can open your eating window 12 hours later and have breakfast or have your creamy coffee or whatever you like. Now, for a lot of people, that 12 hours is hard to get to. I have a client who she eats right up until 1 a.m. when she goes to bed and she drinks her creamy, I call it candy coffee, at 7.30 or 8 when she wakes up. So many people are literally eating and consuming flavors and calories and nutrients from the minute they wake up until the minute they go to bed. So 12 hours is hard for some people. So get to 12 hours. Other people are like 12, that's easy, you know, and uh, then make it 14 and then gradually expand those clean fasting hours and shrink that eating window. And so to answer your question about men and women being different, I I think each indiv 
that's that's a question that can come later as an individual is learning and discovering about their own body and their fasting schedule that not only has them feel well, but yields the results that you want. So if fat loss is important, you may fast longer and have a smaller eating window. If your uh, fitness performance is super important and you're a high performing athlete, then maybe you'll have a longer eating window and a shorter Mm -hmm. fast. So it really is individualized. And I know men who fast 22 hours a day and eat in a two hour eating window. And I know women who fast for 22 hours and eat in a two hour eating window because they're reversing their diabetes and, and fatty liver disease and gut issues. And so they need more healing time. It's important though, that people find their sweet spot that doesn't cause them stress. So what I'm looking to break is this cycle of extremism. So this cycle of pushing so hard and pulling out all the stops and going to the gym and eating healthy and fasting long and, and then crashing and falling off and then starting again and then falling off and then starting again. Eating in a pattern of time, eating in an eating window, fasting clean, pausing from eating, matches and works with the design of our bodies. So it doesn't have to be stressful. It doesn't have to raise cortisol and stress us out. It it is just as satisfying to be in the fasting hours as it is to eat delicious food later. So we get excited for our yummy food later in the eating window and eat well, but hari hachibu to 80% full and that nuts stuffed. And what's amazing is this appetite correction. Once our apostat works in our brains, it actually tells us when to stop eating. You don't ever want to get stuffed. It doesn't feel good. And the body, the the satiety hormones are now able to speak to us and say, okay, we're done. We can stop now. You don't even have to finish everything on your plate because we don't want, we're just, the body's like, I'm done. So all that's to say, each individual man or woman can start with a 12 hour clean fast and be gentle and gradual and good to yourself and discover your favorite eating window that's going to help you reach your health goals and feel really well every day. Mm-hmm. And that is a learning and a discovery. And then women, when they're still having their period and their cycle, and um, oftentimes should have a shorter fast the few days before their period because we feel hungrier and need more energy. And I think most women realize, oh yeah, those ravenous feelings, those those days before. Don't push hard. Fast mm-hmm. a little shorter, have a longer eating window. But with regards to fertility and, you know, many women Um, younger women have PCOS now and polycystic ovary syndrome and almost everyone I know who's an intermittent faster with that. That's an issue also of high circulating insulin, um, bring the insulin down and balance those hormones and are able then to conceive and have a baby. So this, there's nothing extreme about this. I say, sometimes it's like a good yoga class where, where you can have a, a nice, determined stretch, like a get through a hunger wave can be a little challenging sometimes for a few minutes, but this isn't a hard push. Mm-hmm. It's a gentle, sustainable, nurturing way to live and feel really good. Yeah. that's <laughs> Man for, or woman. <laughs> yeah. For everyone out there. So yeah. how many days do people fast? Can you fast every day? Should you take a mm. break? How does that work? I fasted every day for about 
more than 1700 days. So it's almost five years for me. And I laugh when people say I push a little bit when people say, oh, I don't do it on the weekends or I don't. It's like, oh, or Mm -hmm. I took a break. It's like, wait, 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 just a sec. What if imagine what if everybody eats in an eating window? So you and I would see each other. It's like, CJ, when's your eating window today? You know, what if we asked each other, when are you eating today? We don't ask each other that because we just eat all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, if everybody kind of has their favorite eating window and everybody's decided today when they're eating and everybody respects each other's eating window, then it's a really great way to go through life. I just forgot your question. Will you tell me again? Sorry. <laughs> so I was, I was talking, you're talking about women's and men's fasting. And yeah. then um, I asked you like, um, oh gosh, I forgot my question as well now. Yeah, oh, let's see. Gonna... Let me see. We were, I hope you I edit. Think, I you... think we were just, I think we were just talking about the same thing. You were talking about women's fertility and then you continued on to say that um, all the men and women are the same and my memory mm-hmm. doesn't serve me well. I should have more minerals in my food. But anyways, I know it's. Okay, I was going so to ask you see. the next question. The question yeah. was: Now I remember, should we fast every day or not? Oh, yes. 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 Okay. So if everyone has in their consciousness, and it just becomes so easy that there's a portion of the day when I am not eating and I'm fasting clean, and there's a portion of the day when I'm eating. It's just like there's a portion of the day when I'm sleeping and a portion that I'm awake. That. It just is natural to, quote, do it every day. We don't want to relate to intermittent fasting as a thing that we're trying out. It's it's a way of living that flows with the natural rhythm of our body and allows our body time to heal every day. So we would always be doing it, right? So some days you might have a longer eating window. Some days it might be shorter. Some days you might fast for 36 hours. There's this um, a particular intermittent fasting schedule called alternate day fasting, an up day, down day approach. And some people love the big, long healing of a 36-hour fast. Some people love it. Some people need it. If some people really urgently have some health issues that they need to turn around, employing a 36-12 schedule, down day, up day, down day, up day, is really amazing. So even for those people who feel like, you know, during the week when I'm working so hard, I just want to eat one meal in the evening and fast 20 hours and have a snack and a meal and do 20 and four or 22-2 all week. And then on the weekends, you know, eat a lot more. Mm -hmm. Even then, it's not really a day off. It's having three meals in a 10 hour window or two meals in a six hour eating window. So I really encourage people to every day, be a person who eats in an eating window, you just get to say when it is and some days that you're tightening it up. And some days it's a little more expanded. And you enjoy more food. But Yes, every day, because then every day, guys. Yeah, every day. Then that starts to deal with the diet mindset of I'm doing a thing. Some days I do it. Some days I don't just always be a person who eats in an eating window. It's just such an easy flow. And like I said earlier, you feel so good. You don't want to rob yourself of feeling well. I just got back from vacation and it was an incredible vacation at a beautiful spot 
type place, a retreat in Costa Rica. And I was able to have lunch at 1230 and dinner at six. So I finished at 630. So even on vacation, I had a six hour eating window. Some days I didn't feel like lunch and I waited till three and had a smoothie and a coconut (laughs) and then my big dinner. And it's all about what has you feel amazing and your body be its healthiest. So yeah, every day, every day. (laughs) All right. So the trick is every day, everyone. And what about supplements? Is there some supplements that women have to take into consideration, especially when it comes to fasting? Are there some special supplements that can turbocharge fasting or make your life easier when you're fasting? So give us the rundown because most of the people, um, at least most of the people that I speak to, every time you tell them something that's free, like fasting and something that will save them money, that's fasting. The first question that comes in is like, oh, so which supplement can I use with fasting? I'm like, it's you don't amazing. need to use a supplement. It's <laughs> going to cost you money, but um, fasting is free. Just oh, buy it. But you know, everyone, you, especially the biohackers out there, they want to be like, okay, what can I stack on top of fasting and stack on top of something else? So give us a rundown. What's, what's your take on all of this? I love it. I am not an over supplementer. So I'm a certified health coach and you'd think I'd be plump, pumping people, plying people with all sorts of supplements. But as you said, fasting is free. You're putting your body into this deep state of repair and then you can get the clear communication from your body, which nutrients. So I, I really appreciate getting my nutrients from my food. And when I'm burning my own body fat, that is fuel. And even at my ideal weight, I'm like a quarter of my whole body is is fat. So I'm never going to run out. It's fuel that's on board, ready to use and good energy. But I do strongly encourage people to take magnesium and not all supplements are created equally. And there are a lot of types of magnesium. Um, it's magnesium is really confusing for people. It's like citrate or glycinate or, you know, they're or just endless or, yeah. Yes. Most of them so, end with eight for some That's reason. right. <laughs> <laughs> and so the reason that magnesium is so important for people who are pausing from eating Mm -hmm. taking a break from eating fasting is that when insulin is low, which we want when insulin is low, the kidneys dump or release sodium and magnesium. So during the fasting hours, it can be really helpful to, I encourage people to take a magnesium capsule or at, in the evening and take one or two in the morning when you're fasting. And that can get you over, um, Sometimes around 16 hours, people can feel either a little woozy, rarely, but sometimes, or new fasters will feel a headache coming on. And I, I often suspect that that's a low magnesium. And there's, I don't work for the company called Bioptimizers, but they have an exquisite magnesium product called Magnesium Breakthrough and get it directly from the company. I got scammed on Amazon recently. Supplements are oh, a no. sketchy business. A ske- you got to buy them directly from the best 
source. And so mm-hmm. I learned the hard way, but by optimizers has a magnesium capsule that has no additional ingredients. So it's good for the clean fast. doesn't have any extra stuff in there. And it has seven types of magnesium in one capsule and the capsule isn't huge. It's so the, the recommended amount of magnesium per day is 400 micrograms and one capsule has 250. So it take two or three of those and feeling, I think magnesium is super important. Then depending on your lab work, if you're low in D3, which are vitamin D, which most people are, Mm -hmm. then I would supplement with D3 and K2 and Thorne has a great liquid product, but, um, yeah. And then just go from there. We can look at vitamin C and B12 Mm -hmm. and, and so forth. But, I just keep it super basic. I take what my about sodium magnesium. and potassium. Like I like so, to normally tell people that you know have like a high concentrate, not even high concentrate, but like a good uh, essential mineral solution, because also like you know you mentioned um, about insulin, but also the adrenals, um, adrenals and the kidneys, they would produce this thing called aldosterone, and then that sort of balances uh, balances the sodium potassium pumps in the body, and it's also very important for cellular functioning. And this is one of the reasons why I feel like most of the people who go in that intermittent fasting, which either have headaches or like their kidneys are dropping too much of water because their glycogen levels are dropping. And, um, you know, when you put in some minerals like in your water, that usually works or else if they can't control their themselves so much, they go and reach for the chips, which we don't want because that's very salty. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you have really experimented with this. And I am a big fan of those drinks as long as they don't have a lot of um, extra flavors and sweetness and so forth. So if they do have flavors and sweetness and additional um, vitamins and so forth, that would be considered food and a food flavor. So you'd want that in your eating window. Um, but any, you know, sodium, super important. You can take a small pinch of high quality unprocessed salt, like pink Himalayan salt or Celtic Gracie salt, just a few grains under your tongue. If you put it under the tongue, then it goes into the bloodstream sublingually. And, um, that little hit of sodium can get you through a ride, a hunger wave. And most people find that if you either breathe through those strong thoughts of food or your stomach really growling or stay busy it it will come and go. People often find that there's a strong hunger wave around 18 hours fasted. And that's because the fat burning and the autophagy are about to really ramp up, crank it up. And if you can make it over that little hump, then it's just smooth sailing to 19. And then people find that you can have a wonderful amount of food, a nice big snack or a small meal, and then a bigger meal in a five- four, five, six hour eating window and reach your health goals. I don't know, for me, having an eating window in that time frame is really satisfying and, and oftentimes feels like too much eating and too much food. So it should be easy breezy and not a hard push. And, you know, I'll, I will just say it over and over again that we want people to feel good and not be stressed out about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, completely yeah. agree with that. And uh, thank you for sharing all of that. I think it's been a wealth of knowledge that you have shared on the podcast today. And I highly encourage people to take notes. If you're driving, please don't do that. But like rewind to the <laughs> podcast and do it again, play it again, because you would learn something new every time you listen. Now, 
we're coming to this end of the show. And my last question to you is, if you had a time machine, and if you could go back in time, and you could give your younger self a piece of advice. Now, this doesn't have to be like, okay, you just increase your mm. um, fasting window by two hours or no, but like anything about life, you know, it could be about finances, health, wellness, fitness, whatever. Um, what would that be? Mm. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I, so I lived in New York city for 25 years and I feel like I never ate dinner before 9 PM and mm-hmm. went to bed at one. And I think that if we understand our brain and sleep a little bit more, if I did understand it more and I could figure out how to live my very full life (laughs) and also eat earlier and sleep earlier, the amount of healing that happens in the brain in those early hours of deep sleep that we can't get later. Mm -hmm. We can't catch up. You can't you know, we, if we go to sleep at one, two, three o'clock in the morning, we are missing on that. Each organ in our body has a circadian clock. And if we miss that deep sleep, we missed it. And that is an aspect of repair that our brains need every day. And if I had understood that as a younger person, I might have made more effort to go to bed earlier Mm-hmm. And uh, it's taken many years for me to shift my sleep habits. Years. It's taken a lot of <laughs> effort. And I wish I'd known sooner. And this is something that the younger generation of today will also take a lot of like advice and benefit from because the culture even now is the same. Everyone's going to bed late. There are video games, Netflix, all of these things. But like Lori mentioned, guys, if you miss out on that hormonal cascade, that goes on when you're sleeping and especially in the earlier hours, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard later and you can't reverse that. So get your sleep in, make it a priority. And if you intermittent fast, guess what? What's going to be one of the side effects that you're going to be able to sleep well. <laughs> That's right. We so, are <laughs> beating this drum. Everybody exactly. eating. And when's your eating window today? When are you eating? <laughs> exactly. This is the next question you have to ask uh, someone in your house. You, and this is could be an accountability thing, right? You can uh, listen to this podcast. You can go to your best friend and say, hey, I've heard this podcast about intermittent fasting. You should hear that too. Let's start it from tomorrow. Let's send each other. Or, you know, these days you can use an app if you don't have a close friend. Um, but you know, just try to do it. There's a huge community out there and there's a lot of love and support. And Lori is there to answer all of your questions. Lori, how did we get in am. touch with you? I was just going to say that as people are starting and calling their friend and, and deciding today what time you're going to close your eating window and when you'll eat tomorrow, um, feel free, please, to go to my website. It's My business is called Fast Forward. So it's Fast Forward forwardwellness.com and you can download a free guide on how to start and some of the benefits and there's a checklist you can just go down the checklist and then you can be and I love it when people write me so you can fill out the contact form and send me a question Um, I also wrote a workbook called celebrating your vibrant future and it is available on Amazon I think in most countries and it's a workbook it's uh, the subtitle is intermittent fasting for women 44 to forever but it really is for all people (laughs) and so just get your favorite pen and order the actual book it's available on Kindle but it's designed as a workbook to follow the prompts and fill 
fill out the logs and answer the questions and feel all the feelings. And because eating is emotional for us. We deal with human beings. We deal with all of life's stresses and loneliness and angers and joys with food. And um, so there there's some important habits to shift. So having a logbook and a workbook and a buddy and a coach can be really, really helpful along the way. Yeah. And if someone decided to, you know, work with you and, you know, talk to you about how they can get intermittent fasting in their own life, then the website would be a good place to start to get in touch with you. Yeah, I coach the way I started four holiday seasons ago is I put together a class for a group of friends and their friends. I, I was a Zoom pioneer. I had to teach everybody how to use Zoom. So people around the world, I've had clients in in Japan and Australia and New Zealand and South Korea and Eastern Europe and UK and everywhere. And um, so people click in and I lead a, a group class on Zoom. And then also I have mostly one-on-one uh, -on -one clients and around the world also. And so we meet on WhatsApp or Zoom or by phone. And um, yeah, it's the best is when I can work with someone longer term. It's one thing to get started it's another thing to really keep going. I meet so many people who they're, they're like, oh, I tried intermittent fasting. I never felt better. And I'm like, uh oh, what happened? And they're, you know, life happens, vacation, sadnesses, you know, life happens. And so being together and having your questions answered and being on a, an exploration and a journey and when it gets hard, having so, an inspired uh, informed person to lift you up and keep you going is uh, just really a great joy for me. I love being a health coach, mm -hmm. specializing um, in intermittent fasting. And if you want to learn a very big biohack from me, it is yeah. to invest in coaches. It would take huge amounts of time. I made this mistake in the past. I've gone through everything myself. It took me a couple of years, but could I have shortcut or biohacked that journey? Journey? Definitely I could. I just had to go to more people like, you know, who are smarter than me and ask them, okay, guys, this is what I'm doing. How do I do this? And people are there to help. People are there to coach. So make sure you use that opportunity and invest in something that would change your life if it's yes. a book if it's a course it is the real biohack guys because if you try to figure all these things out the amount of times you have to fail and restart again trust me it's not a fun experience at the end of it so because do this uh, like a favor to yourselves we see we see what you don't see so in a professional way. So it's one thing, as you said, to have a buddy for sure, for accountability and camaraderie, but to have a coach who, you know, I've just coached so many thousands of people that I feel I have a vast store of experience to draw upon and each individual is unique and to be able to uplift people in a way that they'll every call they say to me, Oh, I feel like I've been failing and I didn't want to talk to you. And now I feel so much better. I'm so happy I did, <laughs> you know, and to be able to give the person each individual exactly what they need in that moment to keep stepping forward and being consistent and not giving up is really such an honor and a thrill. I love it. And I really appreciate you for that. I appreciate you for that, for all of the healing that you've got to people, all the people that you've helped. And thank you for being on this podcast today. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you. What a joy. Yes, it's been a fun conversation. And for everyone who's listening, this is me, CJ, your host, signing out from the Shift with CJ podcast. Everyone have a great day, a great evening, a great weekend, a great lifetime ahead of you. And make sure you do some fasting tomorrow. Bye-bye. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.